If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio or Chat TV on a Ballsmic Wednesday. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew in the house tonight. Baba Miller makes his long-awaited debut. Hello, Baba. I got to see Baba in the uh, preseason, if you will, the exhibition game. And I was very, very impressed. wonder how quickly he'll be able to get his sea legs underneath him. Uh, has not played in a game. It's a little bit different than uh, strength and conditioning and practice. And, and and obviously, he's a kid who will, we hope, round into form quickly. He, he is a talent. And uh, resuming ACC play tonight against Wake Forest, we get to see him. One down note, uh, Tom, this game tips at Joel Coliseum in uh, Winston-Salem at 9 p.m. Yeah, I'll be taking a nap at 6 what I'm going to do. Get my nap Can on. you really do that? If I take a nap at 6, I may be done. I may be done because I get up, as you know, pretty early. And so what happens is I just plow right through and end up waking up at uh, like 4 in the morning. And I go, well, I might as well just get the hell up. I mean, it's possible. Uh, I had to on Monday just because of the travel lag effect mm. ahead of the national title game, which I didn't. <laughs> I could have just gone to bed. Should have just gone to bed. Yeah. I ended up switching over to Rick and Morty instead of watching the second half of uh, the title game. As one does. Yeah, it was uh, delightful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as a rule, it doesn't work. You're correct. Because if you start sleeping when it's dark out, it's hard yeah, to wake it's hard. up. Your body's like, what are we? Why? Yeah, Why are yeah. we getting back up? Now, one credit to the show very quickly. There was a comment that came in from Get Down or Lay Down before mm. the uh, top of the hour. Yes. In which he said, Jeff promised to juggle flaming bowling pins for hour number two. Hmm. And I, and I asked Matthew, I said, did he? When? No. But I think that's a credit to the show yeah. that it's that it's possible that you may have said Said something thing. silly like that. Yeah. yeah. So I also like that Preston immediately wanted to know if it was worth going Knowles plus seven with the return of Baba. And I would say that the way Florida State's been playing lately, you might be getting good odds on the Knowles for the next few games, in fact. So... 
study the lines carefully. Uh, they swept us a year ago, Wake did, 76 to 54 when we were on, on the road there. That was the largest margin of defeat in ACC regular season play during the 2021-2022 season. Do you recall that 76 to 54 ass kicking? Uh, there was a, a try hard player uh, for Wake Forest mm-hmm. who was trying very hard. I do recall that game. Well, that is kind of the goal. You do have to try hard. Oh, but one of the <laughs> what, a basketball try hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. FSU leads the all time series, however. Suck it, Wake. 29 27. We won 13 of 16 meetings between 2010 and 2021. That's right. Closed that gap and went the other way. Flew past them. Get you some. Except for a couple games played in 1958 and 1973, the other 54 games between the two teams have come since FSU joined the ACC in the fall of 1991. The Knowles are 17-7 against the Deeks at the TLCCC. We are, however, on the road tonight where we are 10-16 against Wake Forest uh, at the Lawrence Joel Memorial Coliseum. You remember when that opened in 1989? What a great year 1989 was. Lennon Hamilton is 18 and 13 against Wake Forest in his time at FSU. That's good. 10 and 3 at the TLCCC, but can pull to 500 with a win on the road against Wake there uh, tonight. 8 and 8. So, outside of the Joel Coliseum being open in 89, what's another thing that stands out to you? Is that the year you graduated high school? That is the year I graduated high school. Okay. Yes. It's, All right. It's a great year. Do you associate anything with graduation? Is there a song that uh, you tie to high school graduation or a movie from that summer? I don't think so. There's no uh-huh. once. There's there's a lot of songs that we can all be nostalgic about eras. There are plenty of songs that I can think of my senior year. I'll tell you uh, how young I am. Beverly Hills by Weezer came out my oh, senior year. Wow. Yeah. Um. No. 1989. No. I. I <laughs> I'll just I'll just leave it be. 1989 was a good year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also, but also like I, opportunities, you know, I, that's when I realized, uh, that, uh, I had a chance to, to go play football and do stuff like that. You know, you know, you know, that's what I'm saying. So that, that's, that's, uh, that's why it was a great year. It affected me. It's about me. Uh, Dave Odom went 240 and 132, 101 and 87 in the ACC and eight NCAA tournaments from 1990 to 2001. Those were the best years for Wake Forest, but we don't care about Wake Forest, although I'll note, and this is, again, about being old, um, I told my son the other day, because he plays NBA 2K, and, he, and, and on NBA 2K, they have all of these all-time great teams. So you can be the all-time great San Antonio Spurs, you can be the all-time great Chicago Bulls, Boston Celtics, and we have wars. We have wars. And of course, he's 15 years old, so anybody that didn't play before, say, 2000, I don't know, 16, he doesn't know. And I'll be like, oh, I'm going to be the all-time San Antonio Spurs. You be the all-time Houston Rockets. And then Tim Duncan will light him up. I'm like, look at my man. The big fundamentals killing you. And and he'll go, who the hell was Tim Duncan? I'm like, son. Whoa. That's son. Yeah. So 95 and 96, Tim Duncan led the way. uh, I remember his college career. And I saw him play here. Yeah. Yeah. I did not think at that time, I'm going to admit to making a mistake, I did not think at that time that his uh, elite-level play in the ACC would translate into a Hall of Fame NBA career. I didn't think so. He was boring. He remained boring. 
but incredibly effective for the entirety of his career. It's proof you don't have to be flashy, just good. Which is kind of what the Spurs were until that little blip at the end with Kawhi. Yeah. They were boring, but incredibly effective. Man. And he was something. And uh, yeah, just a little trip like, down memory lane. There's a period of time in which the Spurs, the Nets... And the Pistons were all good, and I, I can't sort through those years. They're just one kind of blur of boredom. I like NBA. that. The Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, Tim Duncan teams were fun. You didn't like those teams? Uh, no. Uh, no, no, listen, I'm not saying that I you know, sat around in my San Antonio Spurs shirt cheering them on in the NBA Finals, but they were really good. They uh, were fun to watch. They're playing the Nets. I'm like, man. Oh, well, the Nets were the just... problem there. The Nets can go to hell. The Nets really shouldn't exist to begin with. Especially the version that was in New Jersey. Get out of here. Get the hell out of here, New Jersey. Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler. One of the worst songs ever written. Came out in 1989. That's tragic. I'm surprised it wasn't your graduation song. No. Her and Barbara Hershey in that stupid movie Beaches. That's where that's from. Not a fan of Beaches, are you? Well, I think 30 seconds in, you're like, I hope she dies. That's how sappy and sorry the characters were. And in fact, it was about the fact that she was going to die. You're like, good. Um... So no, it wasn't. It wasn't any good. It's very mobster of you. Good, go ahead. <laughs> good, good, go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah. It is sad that I had instant recall of the, uh, the soundtrack <laughs> and what it was from. Man, there were middle-aged housewives all over the country belting that out in their car on the way to Publix. It made the top ten in the Billboard 100 for 1989, number one that year. Chicago. Mm, look hard away. to say I'm sorry. Oh, look away. Look away. Mm-hmm. That's also an awful song. Wake was a surprise team in the ACC last year. 25-10 overall, 13-7 of the ACC. All right, let's get to it. Let's just get to it. This is what we need to know, right? The long-awaited debut, six foot eleven Spanish freshman forward Bob Miller suspended unjustly 16 games by the NCAA for an infraction, allegedly. Of course, it was one that involved he and his parents repaying the money uh, that it took to fly him in to attend a camp. One that is also paid for by people that are locals and or citizens of the United States. <laughs> you, you're free. You, you do whatever you want. But if you're coming from somewhere else, no, you got to repay it. Ridiculous. Miller provides uh, them with a highly skilled fourth scoring option and a very solid defender. He is athletic. He's a good rebounder. He is long. He can switch. And he can shoot a little, Tom. I was surprised to see how well he shot the basketball. It's a nice, nice form. You're going to like it. There we go. Get the committee, that selection committee, to think about what Florida State is before the Baba Miller and the injury stuff and then after. Let's go on a bit of a run here in the conference. Get our conference record to over 500. Give them something to think about. Well, if you get to six and eleven, because they're five and eleven now, they started two and nine non-conference. We all know what happened. They were injury riddled. Baba was suspended. All those things happened. They were, they really didn't have an identity to speak of. They do now. Also, Matthew Cleveland kind of figured it out. I contend again that he must not have been healthy to start the year because he doesn't even look like the same player. Uh, but the bottom line is now they have an identity. They play really hard. They play together. They're cohesive. They're infusing in this lineup, uh, a, you know, a four that can really play that will help them defensively immensely. Um, you get to 6-11 and 11 overall and 4-2 and two in the ACC, it does get a little interesting because the conference sucks. The conference isn't good. 
You got a lot of wins in the ACC, Tom. There's a lot of wins to be had in the ACC. You take care of business tonight, and then you welcome Tony Bennett and the boring Virginia Cavaliers down here on a Saturday. Let's go! I mean, if you could score that upset, uh-oh, that's equity. Your credit score is out of the pooper. Here we go. Maybe, just maybe, you're on your way for the selection committee to say, it's your time. You're in. 12 seed Florida State. They always try to put such an emphasis on, you know, injuries, what you did over the last 10, 15 games, all that stuff, right? You could be like, hey, guys, we had dudes we had to pull out of the stands to start some of these games to start the year. Come on now. This is truly who we are. The one that finished eight games above 500 in the conference. <laughs> A robust eight games. Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I I tried again last night. I'm on this crusade to try and like college basketball in a way that I once did. In 1989, I loved college basketball, Tom. Hell, in 2019, 2020, love college basketball. It's just, just bad. It's because I'm not there anymore. I was watching college basketball last night. And uh, it just was further affirmation. And I was hoping it would be different if it was a different time. I flipped around to other games even. Nobody cares about John Shire. (laughs) But I do like that we are in a position as we speak to perhaps have an absolute golden opportunity to achieve the Platinum Bohica. And I thought that was a lost cause. So, in celebration. you got a week and a half to gear up for it. Two weeks, even. If you're hearing this right now and you or someone you know is active military, a veteran, police officer, firefighter, nurse, or a school teacher, turn up the volume. Listen up. We're going to save you some money. Thanks to my friend Shannon with Legendary Home Loans. Hometown Hometown Hero Loan Program, which is designed to certainly make a difference and uh, save you a bunch of money. If now is the time for you to buy a home, understand that uh, you get a $1,600 right off the top out the gate, just like that, waving lender fees for hometown heroes. Save even more money if you go with their title company for the closing, saving well over $2,000. So, again, if you're looking to buy a new home, choose Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Ask about their hometown hero program. Call 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Jeff Cameron, Show 93, 3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Good to be with you on a Balls Big Wednesday. As we said before, we celebrated last hour. If you missed it, the uh, hiring of Patrick Sertain, defensive back coach at Florida State. Great hire, Mike Norvell and staff. Position of strength right there to be able to have him come in and replace Marcus Woodson, who was a weakness on the staff. Good job, FSU. Now you are uh, in. Now, now you're in business. Now you're cooking with gas. Let's see if they continue to 
reap the benefits of this 10-3 and season. It seems like on a daily basis we're talking about the many ways that that has happened and uh, why our expectations are skyrocketing by the minute. I have repeatedly mentioned that this offseason will feel interminable, but in truth, you guys have correctly pointed out that, hey, man, the spring game will be here before you know it. A lot of reason to be excited about that. A lot of reasons to document that. That is true. In the interim, we do have playoff football this weekend. Tua will not be playing for the Dolphins. Cry not, Dolphins fans. It would not have made any difference. The Dolphins were going to get the hell beat out of them regardless. So you might as well rest Tua's brain, which has been scrambled thoroughly this year. No sense in rolling him out there for that ass kicking either way. And uh, and then as uh, we look at uh, the Baltimore situation, Lamar Jackson out as well, huh? Grand opening, grand closing for those two franchises when the playoffs begin. And yet, here we sit after a disappointing 8-9 and nine season, feeling like the Bucs could beat the Cowboys on Monday. They could, but I did not realize, uh, as I only watched the beginning of the ball game before retreating to um, drinking around the world at Epcot. Nice. Robert Haynes, he got hurt on Sunday? Mm-hmm. What the H, man? So he pulled his hammy? Yeah, it's a hamstring deal, yeah. The whole point of getting Jensen back was that Haynes, he could be your other guard, and then you have a really good interior. But, you know, if you're going to roll out starters and play them in meaningless football games, at least don't get them hurt. Jesus. Yeah, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Well, the line's been garbage all year long, so. Oh, Hainsey wasn't terrible. Are we Are we sure uh, Jensen's playing? No, which no, is, that's a problem. Yeah. So if he doesn't and, and you don't have Hainsey, well, yeah. now now that oh, pick- now your line's back to being as sorry as it was all year long. Or worse? Worse? Uh, it's not possible. I mean, they are going to have a grown-up playing in the game. He is going to be uh, a player who's, uh, who's worn pads before. Like, that's the baseline of what the Bucks have on that offensive line outside of Werfs, who's a beast. I did watch long enough to see that Gedeke had a useless holding call in open space, which made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. I'm not looking like a great pick, even though uh, Jason Lights had a good track record in the draft with offensive linemen. I don't know. We're all right at tight end, though. That, those are, I, I, I like that kid. Which one? Otten? Yeah. Otten's a player. He is. He grew up in the previous game because he dropped three easy passes. But no, but I'm saying, toughies. like, for a rookie, you're seeing it. Yeah. You're seeing yeah. it. Yeah, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. You know, I do wonder how high of a draft pick do you think uh, Brock will be? I mean, you, you have you ever seen a, a tight end that special? It's got to be top 10. It's got to be because, look. Well, George has had back-to-back tight ends that are truly special, but, I mean, this is like. There's the hard part is that Kyle Pitts is not turned out. So the, the most recent example of a can't-miss freak has been slow on the return, to say the least, for Atlanta. It's been injury, it's been a bad situation, all of the above. But Kyle Pitts was absolutely can't miss, and his measurables, I think, were better than Bowers. I don't know, man. Then you look at a guy like Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill or no Tyreek Hill, that offense keeps on humming. And now you know that it was more reliant on 87 than it ever was on 10. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is the key piece, but you know what I mean. When, When Tyreek was gone, they're thinking, well... Now you can just bracket Kelsey because you don't have to worry about the cheetah. No. You know it's coming, and you still can't stop him, even without Tyreek Hill over the top. Yeah, Brock Bowers, um, I don't know. We were debating this the other day. We were talking about where where would you take him? I mean, how high can you take a tight end? What's reasonable? And 6'4", 240 runs like that can still get bigger. 
freakishly athletic, catches the ball better than Pitts. I don't know, man. Uh, top five? No. If you no. have, look what you just brought it up. Look what Kelsey is. Right. That's the argument. If you think for, Brock, if you think Brock Bowers is Kelsey, but he sure looks like him. The argument against is the last time somebody tried this in the top ten. Not that they're Atlanta still waiting. Team doesn't have a quarterback. You're, I mean, a, a great tight end can still be epic, even without a great quarterback. And I'll argue against my guy. Kelsey was a freak with Alex Smith. Kelsey's a freak, period. He's one of the five best tight ends to ever right. play. But yes. that's what I'm saying. If, if you're <laughs> going to be that guy, you could be that guy with or without. Well, Alex Smith didn't suck, Tom. I never argued with you about that. He just wasn't the god you made him out to be. Um, one of the most unlucky quarterbacks in postseason <laughs> history, as I'd like to say. It still hurts you. And somebody who did beat Drew Brees in the shootout in yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. He did do that. Although Drew Brees is less and less impressive as time goes on. All that time with Sean Payton. God's gift to offensive coaching. One Super Bowl. It's disappointing. Had a chance to at the end of his career there at home against a team that they've had all kinds of success against and yet could not get it done. Could not get it done. Allowed the Bucks to roll on in there. Go ahead just take that. Take it to the Super Bowl. Just take it away. Pop One could argue that Devin White's never looked that good again. Maybe it was more about Drew Brees sucking. Who knows? Devin is weird. He has five and six game stretches where he is dominant, five and six game stretches where he is non-existent, and five and six game stretches where he's terrible. Yeah, where you're like, Devin, the ball's going the other way. Man, it's weird. <laughs> it is weird to watch a guy go through prolonged stretches of absolute dominance, followed by, eh, don't even know he's there, followed by, you're killing us! You are the reason we're losing this game. You give up, you walk away, you come back, look at this guy kicking ass again. It's weird. The biggest apology I've had to make since Steph Curry, and not thinking that he was going to amount to much. <laughs> Whoops. Oops. Yeah. Levante David is still good. Still good. I thought he was done. You bagged seven him years four ago. years ago. You're like, he's like, done. Like this James, guy can't play a lick. It's like Jameis rookie year. <laughs> it's like, man, he's getting old. You're like, we should let him go. Yeah. Let him go. Time's up. Whoops. Still kicking ass. Well, I've done something similar to varying degrees with Mike Evans. You know, just every time I give up on Mike Evans, it's followed by a three-touchdown, 180-yard performance, and I'm like, well, all right then, Mike. I'll shut up. I'll stand down. Until the next two games when you don't do a damn thing and drop two easy first downs on third and seven. Oh, time's up on Mike, Tom. You're always the uh, other end of that text. If you had, yes, I'm done with yeah, this guy. Uh, always, it'll be the first quarter typically because that's when he drops his passes. Well, you liked the first one the other day, didn't you? Nice catch. Yeah, I just did it because you. That was it's yeah, in true form. He went for two bills. Yeah, but you had to have laughed, right? Nice catch, oh, sure. Mike, because he tried it right yeah. in the hands. Uh, it's like, oh, and it's dropped by Evans, and then I hear, mm, mm. I'm like, yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I know who that is because he does it once or twice a game. Yeah. Yeah. Catch the damn ball. Same thing with Johnny Wilson. I'm doing the watch along oh, with D-Rob. But I don't say it and anymore. And there's a drop. I go, mm, mm, mm. I'm like, nope. D-Rob, what do you think of that play? I'm not I'm not picking up the phone. I but know, I, I, I know I what stopped, Halfway through the season, I stopped. My point had been made. I mean, he, 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 he will drop a pass. He will. With the best of them. But then he'll go for two bills. Well, and that's the thing. And the oddest thing with Johnny Wilson, and this is going to be a fascinating study as we bring it back to Florida State for a second. And I really do think this will be fascinating because I don't know the answer to this. There, there have been lately. There have been two or three things that have occurred on the football field with our players that I didn't think I would see or I was uncertain was possible. 
Yes, we know that through hard work, repetition, good coaching, film work, you can get better as a football player. You can, you can improve your stock as a football player with the more you know and the harder you work. But certain aspects of the position you play oftentimes are something that you enter campus and the program with. So if you're a 4-3-40 guy at a high school, all right, you're walking onto that field at the very least with one weapon that very few people have, and that is elite speed, right? So we know that. and Nobody at FSU is teaching you that. You walked on with that. You're not going to improve 4-3 all that much. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty tough to do that, right? But Jordan Travis was downright bad at throwing the football for a while when we watched him in the pocket. To the point where you thought, ah, I don't know if that's ever going to get better. He might be able to slow the game down, read defenses better, understand what's being asked of him play to play. Lots of things that will improve his overall ability to play. But you don't go from a guy that really is inaccurate down the seam to suddenly you make all the throws and you do so standing tall in the pocket, having gone through your progressions. Now, he's still a little bit of a see-it-throw-it guy, but, man, the growth we saw from Jordan Travis is the kind of thing that previous to seeing that was debated as to whether or not it was even possible. Because how long has the argument about hand talent been going on amongst football fans and coaches and players. This is not solely to focus on Jordan Travis. This is a debate people have all the time about quarterbacks. There are kids in college who excel because they have multiple attributes at the position. And in college, they run offenses that can accentuate, if I can speak, that skill set, right, where you say, all right, look, Let's do a ton of read options. Let's do some things to get him out of the pocket. Let's utilize the, the, the ability to, to get out and make people miss and run the football to set up some of the other passes that we want, right? You see it all the time. Now, the NFL offense has begun to do that, and that's why guys like Jalen Hurts have had you know that kind of growth we've seen from him too, which is great, good. Makes the NFL far more interesting. I'm glad that it's happened. But we used to say either you have hand talent or you don't. You're not suddenly going to develop it. I don't know. Jordan Travis is starting to prove that notion wrong. He is, and again, in the bowl game, he made some anticipatory throws yeah. that belie perhaps even more improvement next year that you can... Yeah, yes, I agree. Maybe bank on it is too strong, but I'm going to look for it now, especially in practice, about making throws before somebody's out of their break. He's starting to do that, Well, and it's spooky. Confidence goes a long way. That that's a big part. Clearly, of with him, and he's yeah. willing to be Confidence very open. Confidence goes a about long that. way. Yeah, and I I love that man. I I root for people. I root for guys. I'm not rooting against them, but we're gonna call it as we see it. We're gonna bring it up. We're gonna talk about your strengths and your weaknesses and everything in between. Of course, we are. And that was something I didn't think we would see rise to the level that it has. And I'm not giving up on the fact that it could get even better, which is scary to think about for opposing defenses. Okay, so there's that. That's something we've seen, and I'm very surprised by. But catching at wide receiver, natural hands, soft hands, you receive the football well, or you don't. Everything looks difficult. You have all the other attributes. You run great routes. You're fluid. In the case of Johnny Wilson and other big receivers, they have a very distinct advantage in their size. 
Obviously, if they know how to high point a football, it gives them a distinct advantage because they're six seven or six six or six five. And Johnny's like, not slow for six seven. No, not slow for six seven. He's also not a blazer. People try to make him out to be faster than he is, but he is fast for a guy that is six seven. I agree with you. That said, I don't know. Can he get better at catching the routine pass? I don't know the answer to that. I used to think either you do or you don't have those kinds of hands. I understand the jug's gun is sitting around catching footballs all day long and all that can improve, um, but that's very different than than being in a game in that situation making that play. I, I don't know. He catches every difficult pass there right. is to catch. He catches balls he has no business catching and drops a ton of passes that my children would catch. Yeah, to me that means that that has nothing to do with hands but with focus. That is, something is routine, mm -hmm. and so there's not a razor-sharp entity pushing you. If it's going to be a difficult chance, and you know you're along the sidelines on a third and got to have it against Florida, and there's a tight window, you've got to leave your feet, and that ball is arriving right over the shoulder pad of a defender, and yet that looks as easy mm -hmm. as anything. That tells me that you can go to a place focus-wise, summon the talent to make a really, really difficult catch look easy. So if you can do that, how can't you catch something on an easy slant on a fourth down at NC State? Oh, I mean, where it's right here. He's very, been, yeah, he's very, very similar to Mike Evans in a lot of ways. Yes, he His is. get off at the line of scrimmage is not the same. Mike is elite at that. That first move that Mike has to generate it's separation unbelievable is for a guy crazy. that size. Nobody should be able to do that. Right? Johnny's college football adequate at it, but they're very similar in that sense, where the routine seems difficult, but then when you gotta have it. I feel good about a third and got to have a throw to, to Johnny Wilson down the sideline. I just feel good. If it's going to be in the range, that he's going to bring it down. If it's not deflected. If it hits his hands, it's coming down. But if it's second and seven and we've got a deep hole shot, and you know, here it is. He's wide open. I hold my breath and I say, catch it, catch it. Yeah, the bottom line is very inconsistent, and that is the area with which if he improves, you will see his draft stock shoot up. I mean, I, you know, that I'm rooting for him. It benefits Florida State big time. Benefits the young man. He doesn't uh, lack for hard work, uh, so he's he's some certainly a guy that you, you can, it's easy to root for, right? So I mean, I love that guy. I was looking down the stat line just to see because he finished just shy of 900 yards for the season. Johnny did, and obviously 200 in the bowl game goes a long way there in terms of his total production. One of the weirdest stats I found for this year: Marquiston Douglas had 14 catches I, this season. By the way, I'm a big fan of Marquiston Douglas for 190 yards. Malik McLean only had three more catches this season, and his yards per catch number was lower than Marquiston's. I'm I'm pretty surprised by that, but remember there are some big plays for Marquiston, right? Where he's where he's catching the ball wide open and then running for another twenty yards. Yeah, yeah. One of them was uh, I think it was oh, it might have been Cam McDonald during the uh, the Shade Tree interview against Florida, but there was a wide open tight end screen because we're so good at that. Yeah, we are. But, I mean, if you think about some of the deep shots that McLean came down with, the Florida game is a great example, the deep post. That was when we were on our run to start the second half. He only averaged 12 yards a catch. Marquiston, 13 and a half. I did not expect to see that as I went down the line in the receiving stats. Of course, I knew that Johnny would be up there 900 yards, but how about Marquiston? I, uh, I love watching players put in the work, get better, and you see the tangible evidence of that hard work uh, on Saturdays and the seasons that we just saw from several players. So I am going to hold out hope 
that Johnny Wilson will start to make the routine catch? Because at that point, there's no knock on his game. He blocks. He works hard. He has those uh, advantages we spoke of in terms of the size. He does high point the ball well when given the opportunity. That's not one of Jordan's best throws, by the way. Any of those fades are awful. He's he's awful at it. Also, he had to be your best player against uh, Louisville on the road in the second half, and he was. Yeah. You know that on the sideline, that I've got to elevate in order for us to get where we need to go. Tate makes the throws, and Tate deserves credit, but Johnny has to go Yeah, dominate. he has to go make those plays, yeah. And he made all of them. What a night for Tate, though, man. Then thinking about that, like hanging in there to take that hit, Yep. to deliver that pass, I mean, that, that changed the game. That whole situation became uh, winnable for Florida State in that moment. When you realize that there was a willingness, there was a comfort with sitting in there waiting for that to come open and to take the shot that he had to take and to, and to deliver it as he did, you were like, oh, well, there it is. This guy has figured it out. The light bulbs come on. He trusted. Well-called game. Think about what they did to get him to calm down. Yeah, terrible interception before the half. Yeah, well, they gave him a couple of easy throws. A little glance, yeah. And he figured it out, and then all of a sudden it was, oh, I'm all right. And then he was I'm able to right. make plays. Oh, then he made plays, right. Like uh, breaking contain well, and the picking up the first yard run, down. Yeah. yeah. Faster than you think, Tom. It's Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But we've got plenty of time to uh, to engage, perhaps in a little tub talk, buddy. A little, little tub talk. Let's hear those bubbles. Let's hear them. It's time. Know that installations included on certain models, pitch penny pools and spas locally owned, located on Greer Street off Capitol Circle. Don't call, just show on up and take a good look at those tubs. Look at all these tubs, so many tubs. It's a good thing. Tom and I played golf yesterday. It was an enjoyable evening on the golf course. And in the course of uh, our playing golf, we asked um, we asked the question after watching Georgia do what they did. How far away is Florida State from that? Now, keep in mind, I also noted on some of the headlines, Tom, that to get to that point to play a team like that, you don't have to be capable of beating Georgia. CTCU, obviously. They, they got to the national championship game without ever facing anybody that resembles Georgia. And then when they saw Georgia, that they did not like what they saw. They, they, they melted pretty quickly. That was a feeble effort from TCU. I think the early portion of that game showed them rather resoundingly, yeah, you're not good enough. 
big enough, strong enough, fast enough, and this is over. It, it happened quick. The most confusing thing I saw in the first quarter was Georgia dropping back, throwing passes and running end rounds and trick plays when all they needed to do was go straight ahead. But as it turned out, it didn't really matter. It wouldn't no. cost them, you know, because the margin of error was 58. Uh, the, the oddity is Georgia really, sometimes when you have the opportunity to run anything you want, it's paralysis by analysis, right? You're like, well, what should we do? We can do anything. Hurry up, call something. We got to do something. But we can do anything. Run a flea flicker. Okay. There are no ramifications for this, and it will work out. It's going to be all right. We can do anything we want to do. Um, but what I would say is that I suppose Florida State is somewhere between wherever TCU was and who would you say? I mean, Ohio State? I mean, do you think you – think, I think Florida State, given the way that TCU played in that game – now, I, I don't discount their season. I've lauded them for their season. But I think Florida State would have beat TCU on that night. Yeah, I, I think so. It, just that offense is – our offense is too multifaceted yes, to is. go into a seven-point slumber, period, against anybody, George included. The, the the second half of the season, that is certainly true, yep. the way that they emerge. And yeah. especially now projecting forward what they have at tight end and yeah, back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I'm not saying we're equal to Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State's got first-round draft picks at wide receiver. They've got a, another all-world quarterback, although we have a very good quarterback right now, too. I'm just – I'm trying to figure out where we would slot and what does that mean for the larger conversation about how close you are to winning a championship if – Winning a championship means you have to beat a team the caliber of Georgia and their athletes. If you're comparing what they are and what we are, how far away are we? Well, that gets those are different conversations because looking at that Georgia team, obviously nobody really. <laughs> they went undefeated. They won the national championship and went undefeated. That Georgia team wasn't that Georgia team until the other night, too. But that Georgia team is like a lot of teams that are capable of that. They take weekends off because the film doesn't lie to them. It's hard to be locked in, focused, motivated every week. I know most people hear that and think, well, why? How? You only get so many games in a season. Why wouldn't you be locked in? When you're watching film and you're seeing that the guy across from you is of no threat, it is human nature. Like you're not, when you play 21 against somebody who is younger than you or smaller than you in basketball, you don't go balls to the wall to beat them 21 to nothing. You just kind of do whatever you got to do to get the win. Well, then you don't have what so, it takes. You know, I mean, this is what happens. Like, you don't do it, right? Michael Jordan would have. <laughs> there are people who are, yes, uh, over the top focused. He would have kicked that 20, tub water in your face. <laughs> 24 hours a day. But most of us aren't. And so I think when you see that, you're like, okay, well, look, I'm, we're going to have to get up and play well when we play for Georgia, you would say, what, Florida, Tennessee. You would say Alabama if you play them in the SEC championship game or whomever you play in the SEC championship game. Yeah, you're going to have four or five games. They were obviously focused for that first game of the year against Oregon. Just stomped Oregon in a way that nobody else did. And when they had to show up, they unveiled they could be that. And that version against that TCU team was overwhelming. But I do wonder... You know, I, I I said that if Florida State played Georgia tomorrow on a neutral field and something was at stake and both teams were as focused as they could be, what does that score look like to you? I don't know, 40-21, to 41-24? I, I, you know, I feel like Georgia would win comfortably. Don't you? 
Yeah, probably so. Um, they would be favored, and rightly so. They've got more talent across the board, more depth, too. That's the other thing, is the depth. And and as the playoff expands, that's what this is going to become a discussion about, is do you have the depth to handle the attrition that comes with this length of a season? And Florida State does not yet. But the upper end of what we do on offense, you can't just stop us by doing one thing well. Florida found that out. Oklahoma found that out. Brent had an excellent game plan with a bad defense, which was to throw the numbers at the problem at the run, Yeah, take away the edges so we can't run counter, so we can't run outside zone, also protecting against as much as possible Jordan Travis breaking the pocket. Excellent game plan. He threw for 400 yards against him. Mm -hmm. Could have thrown for 500 without a Johnny drop. Would have been five bills. More than, more than one. And there was like four total drops yeah. in that game. Yeah. So what is it? I, I get that the Oklahoma defense this year is nothing close to Georgia's, but my point is... If you've got to try to focus on us in one way, we've got an answer any way you want to play it. Yeah, no, I think so that makes score. us that's... more dangerous than even the TCU team that they played. Without question, and and, and that's why I gave us twenty four in this example. I, right. I think we would score, but I don't think we would stop them from scoring at all. I don't think physically we would be capable of stopping them from scoring. I think their offensive line is insane. I think when they're focused and care, who the hell on our team is covering Brock? Nobody did, uh, and nobody would on this team. So yeah, I mean, we couldn't cover the kid from Oklahoma. No, we're we're not. You know, so th there's a ways to go to get Pearsall as well. <laughs> the one receiver they had, but that's the area that you would but, circle in that matchup and say, "Well, this is going to be a long." But here's evening. the thing: I would also say, because of how good this offense is, you've got a chance in every ball game. TCU that is had important. no chance in that game. Clearly, they had no chance. Well, right. We would have a chance in every ball game against every opponent we play next year because of the multifaceted, lethal nature of what this offense is, especially now. The thing that spring and fall camp are about is finding out how good can this offensive line be. Is it, yeah. Can it get to a place where on third and one, you're going to win a fair number of those, even though the world knows you want to run the ball? Because if that's the case, then uh-oh, uh-oh, time for everybody else. Correct. Three areas that I would say Florida State has a, a, a lot of growing to do and an opportunity to, to maybe prove uh, that they have taken yet another big step towards being much better than they are currently. We'll see it in the spring with the competition and on into the fall, and they're going to have to do that where we start to proclaim national championship possibilities. Excuse me. And, and that is the offensive line, which has been a lot better, but it is not a dominant group by any means because they can't get the short yardage situations that you're talking about, not consistently. I mean, how many times have we watched that happen this year? And it's very, very frustrating. Whereas you watch an offensive line like Georgia's and you see that they manhandle people right. often. But you can also, you could do this, the two things at once, Steel. Right. Is, they've come a long way. Oh, they've come a long way. And maybe they'll be a lot better next year because, again, they've brought in pieces. And we were judging them against the curve of what? An 8-4 and four season, which mm -hmm. is a hopeful tw top 20 team. Yes, yes. Well, they exceeded those expectations, even with injuries. So, kudos. Yeah, and so I think you look at that and then you think, okay, well, that's got to get a lot better. I think they have to get a lot better at linebacker. The depth of talent isn't there at linebacker compared to Georgia, compared to, hell, compared to Oklahoma. When we were watching those linebackers, there are several teams this year whose linebackers made me envious, where I went, all right, we've gotten better there, but we're not. I mean, we're nothing right home about. So that that has got maybe you know maybe maybe we'll have that. Maybe maybe you're starting to see us grow into that, but not quite yet. Well, whether it is like a chessboard or you're looking at risk, right? You know, you you like to play risk back in the day, the board game. When you're building up your empire, 
these are the conversations I think that are more pertinent to subsequent years, not 2023. Because when you want to be a repeat offender and a repeat attender to the playoffs, the semifinals, whatever it's going to be, nicely done. You have to have the depth of talent across the board. Next year, I think you just got to part and parcel this thing defensively to get to a place where 30 points a game is going to be enough. If you can get there, we're going to exceed 30 points a lot next year. The only problem with that, and yes, I agree with you, the only problem with it is, and you know, we've talked about this a lot over the years, and we know that the game is built around offenses now. We know the rules are in favor of offenses. So what it means to be good on defense has shifted. The goalposts have moved. If you're a defense that holds good offenses to 24 or fewer, then you're a good defense. I mean, the days of people shutting folks out, like going back to 93 and watching Florida State just shut people out and go into games asking with a straight face, can they score against Florida State? I'm not so sure they can score. You don't do that anymore because the rules allow for offenses to have success. And then if you add in to the fact that you're going to face a couple of good ones and the offense and the rules are in favor of them, then you're going to give up points. I, I have often said over the years that if you can't defend, you can lose to anybody. And that's because defense travels. Defense travels. Offense doesn't always travel. You, you have a day in which you're dealing with inclement weather, you're, you know, gusts of wind, terrible rain, whatever it might be. That offense isn't always going to be productive in that situation. That, there's a lot of timing that goes into offense. Guys have off days, and all of a sudden you're screwed. Whereas defense travels, and you can dominate week to week to week, regardless of weather or location. And so if you can get to a place where you can consistently play good defense, not saying it's always going to work out in your favor. Again, the rules are in favor of offenses. Then I like your chances better to win a national championship as opposed to solely basing it on, I think we can outscore everybody. Yo, yeah, I agree with you. And I don't think this defense is punchless now with what they got coming back next year. They just need a little bit better injury luck up front. That really hurt things. And they got more depth, I think, in the interior next year as well. Yeah. With the transfers they got. Oh, golly. Another show and another reason to be pumped up. Good job out of you. Good job, Director Matthew. Be well, everybody. Peace. We'll talk to you tomorrow.